Be a part of the Fredericton Freeze women's basketball team's $100 from 100 fundraising campaign. The Maritime Women's Basketball League team is seeking $100 from 100 businesses for their 2024 operating expenses. Email fredertonfreezemwba at outlook.com or fredertonfreeze.ca for details. Hi and welcome to Late Scratches podcast. I'm Bill Gibson, joined once again by co-host uh, Brad James. Brad, well, we didn't have the yard sale we talked about last week. No, we did not. We're back for uh, round two. Not bad. Uh, yeah, and uh, you know, uh, back here with our first guest uh, this week. Thrilled we, to be joined by him. Uh, yeah, absolutely thrilled. First guest is a Hall of Famer. I'll let you do the intro. Yeah, well, okay. So I'm going to tell a quick story, and, and I, you know, my stories are not quick. So, growing up as a young writer. Um, and I, I was working for a weekly newspaper, and I was covering the Canada Summer Games in St. John. And, and I knew our guest uh, just from reputation only. But uh, in, 90, in 1985, Team New Brunswick was loaded baseball team, absolute pure talent. And they ended up uh, not winning. And uh, the lead the next day, and I can't remember who New Brunswick lost to to go to the medal round. And the lead said, uh, it was quiet in the New Brunswick dugout, so quiet you could hear a medal drop. And as a young aspiring writer, I was just like, wow. And the author, the byline on that story was Bill Hunt. And although Bill will probably be embarrassed when I say this because I'm sitting three and a half feet away from him, he was legitimately somebody I looked up to. And uh, he's probably going to say, well, I'm not 87 years old. But, um, <laughs> so I, I, I followed Huntsy's career and then uh, became a rival, I guess, even though it was a friendly rival when I uh, started to work at the Telegraph Journal and Bill was with the Gleaner. So we competed each other for scoops back then when uh, newspaper was king. Uh, but I'm, uh, he, he was one of the first ones, Bill, you and I talked about having a guest and Bill's retired now from the Gleaner and, uh, just living his best life with his dog and his best friend and, and just a lot of friends in downtown. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I'm smiling here from, uh, from ear to ear because it's great to have Bill with us tonight. And absolutely one of the first people that reached out and said they wanted to be on the, the podcast and you, you can't say no, uh, when, uh, someone like Bill Hunt, uh, steps up. So Bill, welcome to Late Scratches, our, our very first guest. Thank you guys. I am humbled. Yeah, and and I'm not 87. I'll be 66 next week. <laughs> there you go. All right. Now, now Bill, I, I did do some sort of back of the napkin math on on your career. Would 10,000 stories be in ballpark? We'd probably be in that neighborhood. I uh, like Bruce Hallahan is the stat guy. He keeps the numbers and all that stuff, and he he figures probably 250 bylines a year. And I did it for. For 41 years, so that's a lot of a lot of ink, and I mean there was some supplementary stuff too, some columns, you know, some some uh, columns that were up towards the front of the paper and stuff like that. So, yeah, I would say somewhere in that range. Let's we go with that number anyway. Back when we were covering the American Hockey League, St. John would play Fredericton at the old Montreal Forum, so. We'd be, it was like a Friday night game, so I had to file for Saturday, as as did Bill, but uh, we'd say, come on, let's go out and, uh, you know, see some of the tours in uh, in Montreal tonight after the game, and be, I got to tap out a couple of features for Monday and Tuesday. I was like, what? But <laughs> professional and dedicated to the craft. I sure. did not get all the fun there was in Montreal <laughs> no. out of... What was in Montreal? That's right. Yeah, exactly. Great restaurants. <clears throat> yes, I'm sure there's lots of great, and the great restaurants in Montreal. And the ballet. <laughs> yeah. Um, so just before we get into talk about 
talk about uh, telling sports stories because that's really I think going to be our main focus here tonight. Um, let's just go over a little bit from from last week to this week, Brad. Uh, um, as we said, we didn't have the yard sale. We've got a logo now. Big thanks to Michael Carter Designs. Michael is uh, does some fantastic work. Did a lot of the Maritime Women's Basketball Association logos. Uh, Fredericton Freeze, Halifax Hornets, Windsor uh, Edge. Uh, very talented. Uh, Riverview product now living in Nakawick. Uh, goes back further than that, though. Didn't he do some work back, for yeah, overtime? He did. With uh, you? That's Your right. Book? He did my books uh, cover and the whole thing. So, uh, incidentally, my- I'd like to point out that uh, of the three of us. I'm sitting with two authors, so. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's okay. That's okay. Yeah. You'll two join us soon, authors. I'm sure. There well, you go. That's we'll right. See. Yeah. Anyway. So, yeah, Mike did a great job, and it's nice to get that logo out, and uh, it kind of captures what we're doing, and, uh, yeah, the feedback was outstanding. Yeah, it's it's a, it's an excellent logo. I loved it the moment uh, I saw it. Um, we're also now out on most of the major podcast platforms. I Sat Brad where you are Sunday afternoon, and there were there were a few curly words trying to get a couple of them to work right. Uh, still waiting on the approval from Google, but uh, yeah, if you're they're listening and you're, we're not on your favorite podcast platform, uh, please uh, reach out. Uh, um, we're uh, we're trying to be where folks want us to be. Um, same same thing with Twitter. We're working on Twitter right now. Twitter thinks I'm a bot, uh, which is a little bit funny. It won't allow me to finish the setup until. I don't know when until they think I'm no longer a bot, but we're, we're working on that as well. So look for that uh, coming. Um, and, you know, big major thank you to everyone uh, for the feedback that we've got. We were just chatting here before we started about the number of people that, that suggested stories, some of the stories we've had, and, and some of the encouragement that we've had over the past week. It was honestly um, a little bit overwhelming, but in a positive way. Yeah, yeah. very positive Let me way. just tell you that yeah. as a listener, I listened to it last week, and I thought it was phenomenal. Good, uh, good banter between you guys, lots to talk about, and I think your philosophy that there's a lot of stories out there, and it's not, and it's not scores, uh, it's stories, I think uh, you're not going to have any trouble filling the hour. Yeah, and um, I know I've got more notes here for this week than we'll ever have a chance to, to get to, uh, but I've got a couple mentions I missed last week. Uh, I kind of felt like I was name dropping a lot when I talked about the Archie because there were a lot of people there, but I missed a couple of important ones. Oh, no. Um, Stephen Clark, uh, the F word on Twitter, Fredericton local guy. He's local everything from, I'll say from soup to nuts, but it's from really from soup to beer to sports. To oh, he's anyth- got a great account. To anything yeah, that's going on, he, he's a must follow. Um, I actually learned over the last year that I graduated high school with Stephen Clark and had no idea of it. Um, Twitter to, wasn't around then, yeah, Twitter, uh, Gibby. Twitter wasn't around then, yeah. that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, uh, got to connect with him there, and another Stephen as well, uh, Brad. I'm not sure if you you met this Stephen. This is Stephen with a PH, and I was a little bit put off when he introduced himself as Stephen with a PH. I thought it was a little bit pretentious, <laughs> but it turned out he was a pretty good guy. He's from Halifax, which I've also in my notes here spelled with a PH. So Stephen, I hope <laughs> I hope you have your yacht well docked in Halifax. I know you had it in St Andrews for the Archie. I hope you have it back in Halifax and well docked with the with the pending weather. So um, that's the mentions from last week that I missed. And I know not everyone's going to get that last mention, but uh, Stephen with a PH will indeed get the last mention. We'll get it. Stephen Clark probably, uh, I assume, is at harvest from tonight right through till Sunday. So he's probably not going to hear this until Monday. Yeah, uh, pro- probably not. Um, outside of that, uh, it's been a busy week. I know I get a couple of stories not necessarily related to sports, but probably not bad ones to tell to start us off here on a, Fire away. On, on a bit of a funny laugh. Uh, so yesterday lunchtime and Brad, I know you're not a Facebook guy, but Bill, I know you are a Facebook guy. Yep. I'm scrolling through Facebook, um, you know, sitting in the, in the lunchroom at work, uh, I'm surrounded by, you know, half dozen or more of my coworkers. 
I scroll through and I, and I hit RCMP New Brunswick page. And on there, there's a suspect sketch. Where's this going? <laughs> yeah, it's it's not me. <laughs> no, no, not you. Okay. That suspect sketch looks a whole lot like the guy I see in the mirror every morning when I'm shaving. Oh, my. <laughs> Where you been, Gibby? I, I didn't see it. Now I have to yeah, and, and I know this is something we shouldn't, turn yourself we shouldn't in? make light of, no. but if you drew glasses on the suspect, wow. catch, suspect sketch... That's so you. let's just say I'm a little bit sketchy. How much was bail? Uh, well, <laughs> that's the other thing. If, we, if I don't show up here and Brad suddenly got the equipment, you know, that's somebody right. look for bail <laughs> money to, to get me out. Um, you know, shouldn't, shouldn't laugh at those, but yeah. it's a little bit jarring um, when you're going through Facebook and surrounded by your coworkers um, and suddenly you see yourself or right what there. looks to be yourself as a suspect. Well, I hope none of those coworkers uh, confirm it. Well, <laughs> well, well, when you actually read the story, the guy's the guy's hair is not as gray as mine. It's a little blacker, and he's not quite as tall. Okay. Uh, so yeah. I, I think I'm okay, Safe. but it's a little uncanny how much it looks like me. Um, Everybody has a twin. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that was yesterday. Your doppelganger is a crook. <laughs> that was yesterday. Going back to Friday, this one's even a little bit more disturbing than that from a personal nature. So again, I'm at work in a meeting and my phone rings um, and it's the hospital calling. And this is never good when you get a call from the hospital. Wasn't expecting a call from the hospital on anything. And they asked for me by name and I say, yeah, this is me. And it's obviously a legitimate number. I can tell it's coming, coming from the hospital. They say, we're calling about your pre-op appointment. Now, I don't know whether you got where you guys are on the, on the pendulum of New Brunswick healthcare. I don't have a family doctor. So I have no complaints. I'm not expecting operation of any kind. I had my foot done this summer, yeah, but this was sense. not for that. So I say, okay. And she goes on to start telling me the details of this. And I say, well, I'm, I don't know what this is about. And she says, what do you mean you don't know what this is about? And I say, well, I'm not expecting to have an operation. So she says, well, I'm just calling to tell you about the appointment. I don't know anything about it. So she gives me this other number with, this, with a secret number. She said, here's oh, the regular okay. number, but, number, but here's the secret number, the one that they'll answer right away. So I don't even bother with the regular number. I just call the secret number. They answer right away. I was going to say, keep that on your yeah, fridge. Yeah, yeah. Go, okay. go through the, the, the rigmarole again where they verify who I am with the Medicare number, the name, the date of birth, the address. And they tell me it's for a urologist surgery. I oh, said, pardon. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that's pardon was exactly what I said. I said, well, this can't be. I, you know, I've not reported, reported any issues with any of those parts. And, you know, as far as I know, haven't been independently medically verified that they all work in a while, but they all work just fine. And I'd like to keep them live streaming. Yeah. Kidney so, stones to be named later. Yeah. Well, this is, this is the thing. And then they went through a checklist of these things that it could be. And I was like, uh, no, 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 none of the above. I haven't complained about anything. Yeah. And I said, in fact, I don't even have a family doctor. Can you help me with that? Well, no, we can't, can't help you with that. So, um, long story short on that one, but they says, okay, we'll reach out to the doctor and the doctor will call you back. That was Friday. This is Tuesday, September 12th. No call from the doctor yet. Heard. So I'm not sure whether they're expecting me to show up for some <laughs> random operation, whether I've plugged up the medical system because yeah. it's not really me. I was going to say, like, what doctor is going to call you? Because you don't have a family doctor, well, this right? Is, this is the, this so is there a, we go. The mystery doctor yeah, is going to call you. This, this tell you the, you don't have kidney stones. Yeah. <laughs> I recommend showing up, see what it is, if it's a sexy operation. Well, I mean, yeah, I don't I don't know. It was, uh, it was a little bit disturbing, I thought. So I thought it was worth telling here, though, yeah, just what, yeah, you know, how strange. I'm here for my probe. <laughs> yeah. There you go, no. exactly. Yeah, just, uh, just how strange a week yeah. can be. 
uh, Brad, I think you've got a couple stories. Not just sure foolish, of course. Sure you can uh, top you any know, of those. I went out from a so-called sports cave, I guess, to buy a footstool and, you know, ended up with like a uh, uh, mop, uh, push broom for the garage, a couple of other gadgets. But I'm not a huge gadget person. I, I, I have the snowblower, a lawnmower, and a whippersnipper, yep. or a weed whacker. That's about and an adjustable screwdriver set. That's about the all I have. But I've always wanted a leaf blower. Because we have a pool that, and we're in trees and it gets covered in the in the winter and spring and the cover. And it's it's a real pain to deal with when all the leaves slip into the pool. And next yeah. thing, anyway, long story. So I buy this uh, uh, leaf blower. It says 125 miles an hour. And I'm thinking, that's pretty excessive, you know, for a couple of leaves on your deck. Anyway, I fire it up. I get it out and I set it up. And I plugged it in and I hit the trigger and it didn't. Go. I said, oh, now I have to take this back. Worst thing, I, I just don't like taking things back. And I looked and I said, oh, I didn't fire up. I didn't hit the, the, uh, you know, the button to start it down on the extension cord. So I held the leaf blower in my left hand and hit the extension cord thing. Well, honest to God, that thing just like you talk about a kickback. I've never fired a shotgun oh, yeah? in my life. I went back. My uh, screen tent was blowing up. The Leaves were going everywhere. My poor neighbor next to 125 miles an hour. So I'm thinking I can replace my snowblower this winter with that thing and just get out there. So it's my first foray with a windblower. And I think I blew more leaves back onto my deck because they were coming off the tree and everything. But so next time I'm going to go out in a very uh, sedate space. Now you're still playing with the toys now. Yes. So the newest toy. And that's it. That's all. I just wanted to make sure that So what what I heard out of that is Bram's got some more raking to do. Bram's got some more raking to do. That's right. Bram Russell, if you're listening you better uh maybe he'll counteract and uh, he's got every gadget imagine blow them across back the street. Yeah. yeah we'll have a little bit of a turf war there away we go anyway so that's my shopping excursion i started yeah. out for a footstool and end up with a leaf blower did you get the footstool at least i did not couldn't find one okay get the leaf blower not the footstool okay yeah so. okay i'm sure people are saying okay guys sports yeah yeah, yeah. so let, let's get in let's get into sports bill we we said you know ten thousand ish stories in your career the local sports reporting landscape vastly different over the last couple of years oh, here. Terribly so, you know, unfortunately. Like, and it bothers me. I still get stopped on the street with people saying, you know, what's happened? And it's, you know what, it's, it's uh, not necessarily post media's fault. It's the landscape of the business. It's happening all over. It's just, um, and it breaks my heart. It really does. And that's why I think you guys have a niche here to tell those stories that we don't get a chance to tell anymore. Um, it's just, uh, it's the way of the world. And I hate it because I think, you know, I look back on the product that I'm going back a ways here, but there was myself and Bruce Hallahan who did 35 years and Dave Ritchie, who was the sports editor that I worked for before Bruce came on, and, and the late Mike Power. And, you know, we, I thought, built a pretty good reputation for a local sports department. Absolutely. We, we tried to be everywhere. Uh, uh, most of the time we succeeded. Uh, we put out a product that I thought was pretty good um, day to day. And you guys, you would know how hard that is to be day to day consistently good. Yeah, with all the photographers that we had to work with. And all of a sudden, you know, like post media came along, the, the, uh, the priorities changed and it was gone in six months, you know, and now, uh, God bless Kevin Barrett and Matthew <laughs> Daigle, the guys who uh, are working to, you know, 
keep some sort of sports presence in the paper, but it's not a priority. Um, it's all click-based now. It's all clickbait and sports. And I fought with my bosses for years on this. It's a small audience probably, but it's a dedicated audience. And if your product is not there, they're going to turn on you. And if you hand it to somebody who doesn't know what they're talking about, it shows instantly and it affects your credibility. And unfortunately, that's, that's where we are now. Like I say, not to mention, not to, to disparage Matthew Daigle and Kevin Barrett. You, you and I worked with, with and against Kevin Barrett for a lot of years. Yeah. And they're doing their best, but there's just not, a, not an audience for it anymore. Yeah, I would say even when you had four, you were stretched to get to every place that you wanted to get to. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, there's so much going on in this city. And you feel like you should be everywhere and you do your best. You're going to disappoint somebody. But I mean... Well, that's the nature of the beast, yeah, though, isn't it? Yeah. But uh, I mean, you know, we had people at Royals Field every night. We had people, uh, you know, at the basketball or hockey event of the day, and God knows there was enough of that going on. Speed weekend just passed. We always had somebody out there. Somebody would, you know, Mike Power, to his credit, developed that beat to what it was. He invented characters and, you know, had a real audience out there. And, uh, and Speed weekend was Labor Day weekend. We always had somebody out there. Um, now it's like, as I say, uh, I opened up the Globe and Mail or I, you know, I clicked on the Globe and Mail and Marty Klinkenberg had a great story on Dave Oblinas and his family, uh, who, uh, you know, he's got two daughters who, who race and compete against them. It was a great story. And I mean, it was three days later that, uh, the local paper had the follow up that, oh, Dave Oblinas won the, the 250, right. you know? So when you're getting scooped in your own backyard by the Toronto Globe and Mail, that's that's not a good thing. What do you miss the most? Is it the people? Is that fair? You know what? Uh, Scores all run together exactly. after a while. I could not tell you the score of any particular game I covered that that stands out. But what I miss is the stories and the people, and yeah, what you what you trip over, you know. And you guys can relate, Bill. You told the story of of you know the basketball kids that you interviewed at halftime and stuff like that those are the stories that stick with you um as i say i i could not tell you the score of any particular game that i covered and that that makes sense and i and i think uh you know i can i can certainly back that up but the some of the stories, uh, the Rick Vive curtain fight at the Lincoln Center, <laughs> which is probably top five. And for anybody that doesn't know, Rick coached, uh, you know, tremendous goal scorer and, uh, <laughs> in the NHL. And uh, if you've ever been in the bowels of the Aiken Center with the curtain, uh, after a particularly frustrating loss, we knew uh, Squid, as he's known, was going to be sour. And uh, we were waiting. The media was waiting on the other side. Behind the blue curtain. Behind the blue curtain. And you could kind of see the arm come out, whether it was his left arm or his right arm, to try to figure out how to get around the curtain. Next thing you know, it was a fist fight with the curtain. And we're just standing there going, great. First of all, the coach lost. Second of all, he's mad. Third of all, he's literally tied up in a yeah. curtain. And he was can just see. steaming. <laughs> <laughs> and then he just kind of presented himself and kind of said, like Paul Baxter would say, what? 
Yeah. You know, yeah. that type of thing. Oh, you got, okay. It was funny. He got it wrapped up in the curtain. Yeah. It could, he could easily have fallen on his face. Oh, oh absolutely. Tore it down yeah. and yeah. was ripping mad. And, and you have to keep a straight face through yeah. all this and of pretend course. you're as upset as he is. That's right. <laughs> and uh, anyway. And a, and a quick vibe story. So when I was playing beer league in, in St. John, he wanted to play. He was coaching and he said, do you mind if I play? I said, sure. So I asked the guys. They said, yeah, I'd love to have Rick Vive yeah. play for our you know, Sunday morning circuit. Word get out really quick. We're playing at one of those small arenas in, in the city. And it was a Sunday morning game. Probably 150 people showed up because yeah. they heard Rick Vive was coming out. You know, and the guys were all pumped up, haven't played in front of a crowd in ages. right? Yeah. So we go out there, we file out onto the ice. And Vive comes out after me and down. Right on his rear end, hard. Did the had, Phil Esposito had thing? his skate guards on? Forgot to take his skate guards <laughs> on. So, That's a rookie move. <laughs> absolutely. So everybody's just like, "Here's this, you know, former 50 goal sniper, and now he's down at the Stu Hurley Arena because he forgot to take his." Now skate tell guards me, on. what was his skill level like when he did take the skate well, guards? Well, I was on. fortunate enough to be on his line because he was the only. I was the only person that he knew, and uh, he's right winger, obviously. So I was playing in the middle, and very early gave him a pass through the neutral zone. He took about five strides over center and took a snapshot and it went in like it was an absolute yep. rocket you know the goaltender in the sunday morning beer league had never seen anything like that before so he could still stop yep. it tell you a quick story from the north south all-star game way Let's back go when in. man back that's when, when you waited for the rosters absolutely back absolutely anyway al mcadam had retired and i think was had done his year assistant coach with uh with the express at the time and I don't know if he was at St. Thomas then or not. But anyway, uh, he was playing some senior hockey. Named to the North-South All-Star game. He was on a line with Dave Cameron, who had a pretty good Absolutely. NHL career of his own. Yeah. And a kid named Peter Thorne, who... Uh, yeah, uh, I think he was playing for UDM yes, at the time. Could anyway, fly. could fly all over the place. Anyway, so I'm down there in the North-South All-Star game, the Lord Beaverbrook rink, packed to the gunnels. And I still remember, uh, here's, you know, Peter Thorne flying all over the place, not accomplishing a whole lot. Here's Dave Cameron up and down the wing, you know, doing what Dave Cameron does. And Al McAdam hardly broke a sweat and had four points without even trying. And I, I talked to him afterwards, and I don't think he was sweating at no, all. Just, not. you know, just so smooth and so professional. And it just made it, made you understand how... Big the jump is from pretty oh. good amateur hockey right. to, to the to high level pro. Yeah. Yeah. Al McAdam, the best quote ever came after 15 seconds after you asked him a question and he thought he was turning on you. <laughs> you say, okay, and it'd be quiet, and then you'd just break into this long soliloquy. It was great. Yeah. It's yeah. Tremendous person. Well, you know what? I'm watching the old uh, Craig Ferguson clips late at night. Uh, he's an old talk show host from Scotland. Anyway, he finishes off his interviews all the time with. So what do you want to do? Play the harmonica or awkward pause? And some of the people go for awkward pause. So they stand there and they stare at each other for like 15 seconds to the point where it gets stupid, you know? <laughs> and uh, that always reminds me of Al. Yeah. Al would always take the thoughtful pause. Yep. And then he'd give you a yeah. great, insightful answer. But no you cliches. had to wait for it. That's right. Absolutely. <laughs> you had to wait for it. Yeah. Yeah. I miss Al. He's a good one. Yeah. Billy, you got anything? <laughs> I don't have anything to talk about, but th th this is, this, these are the stories right. that aren't out there now, yeah, that, that aren't getting told. That's this true. stuff so, like this yeah. is happening today, and it, there's, no one to, there's no one to tell the story. And yeah. to talk about the, the North-South All-Star game for anybody, it was the old New Brunswick Senior Hockey League's uh, teams, and it was bitter rivalries, and uh, packed, and these were 
you know, exhibition games on Saturday nights yep. in whatever city, Camelton, Bathurst, St. John, Fredericton, wherever it was. Yeah. Camelton and just uh, huge crowds. And, no and it colder was, arena uh, than the York Arena on no, a Sunday still afternoon. still isn't. You can go I down there right now, you'd freeze. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. But a, a great senior hockey rink, too. Yeah. And, that's, uh, and, and you I, know what? I, th- I think the Maritime Hockey League tries to fill that niche. Mm-hmm. I mean, they have franchises in every one of those right. corners. You know, there's West Kent now and, and Campbellton and Miramichi and Edmonston and Fredericton. But I don't know. It just it seems to me that the rivalries have not developed to the point. Well, I think and you, maybe had a, that's you, just had, you did have such a, a great cross-section back then because at Senior Hockey in its heyday, it was the p- people that you worked with. Um, they were on, lived on the same street and they just happened to be good hockey players or yep. you brought uh, players that may have had a cup of tea in the show or played in the American or International League and all of a sudden they were playing uh, Thursday night or Saturday night. So yep. it was a lot of fun to see. And I think that's, and it was simple, you know, I don't want to say it was a simpler time. That's not fair. That's just kind of, you know, being uh, very kind to the past. But it's what we had for entertainment. We yep. didn't have wall-to-wall 724 sports. So uh, whether it was... Uh, hoops or volleyball or whatever you fastball was king at one point in yep. time senior baseball uh and senior hockey so it, it is a bygone era that's for sure and i, I think the mhl and, and some other leagues are trying to bring that back it's just there's so much going on and you know what else everybody plays now yeah right yeah so whether enough. it's the dad playing beer league and then taking uh, his son or daughter to a game uh, for their games so it's you know that that opportunity to go see a game as a fan you really have to make a decision am I going to go watch St. Thomas basketball this weekend am I going to play in my own game or my son or daughter's in Moncton to play somewhere so yeah. I think that's changed yeah. a little bit too and I think Maritime Hockey League I mean uh, the Red Wings and to be fair you know what I retired last year and I made a conscious decision to stay out of the rinks and stay out of the gyms and and stuff just because I was afraid I'd get sucked back into it and <laughs> want to be there every weekend and as you said, I have a loyal dog. <laughs> yes, it is. Priority, <laughs> that needs man. my attention. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but so but I find that the the talent is so transient. You know, um, there's not a whole lot of kids that you can identify with. You know, and I I mean I I feel badly for Roger Shannon and his group because you know they got going and. Um, you know, COVID hit and really set them back. You couldn't get out in the community, which is so important to to Roger, you know. Um, he does a heck of a job. He really does. He works, the work he he works his tail it. off. There's no ben question Adams about that. Another one. That's a just great, constantly you know, going. It's a great organization. But, yeah, they they didn't get a break right from day right. one, yeah. you know. So, in in a sense, five years later, they're still building their brand. Right. You know, and they need to contend. Yeah, and we talked about that last week. It, it is about identifying who... Uh, if Summerside comes in or if Truro comes in and it's, you know, they're in once a year or twice a year maybe. So you have to build that identity. Yeah. yeah. So <clears throat> I want to go back to that point just a little bit. You said, Bill, there's not folks you can identify with. Is that because of the players? Is that because of what we're talking about right here right now is those players' stories aren't getting told. So you well, don't you don't know there's some how truth- to identify with yeah, them. Yeah, there's some truth to that too, you know. Because... Um, I maintain, and my basic philosophy through my entire career was, everybody's got a story. You just kind of have to find it. You have to poke, you know, poke the right hive or whatever. Ask the right question and keep asking and keep being curious and stuff like that. And uh, I, I maintain that everything I write, every feature I wrote, had the potential to be on somebody's fridge for a while, 
stuck in a shoebox, you know, found 10 or 15 years later that you can show your kid, you know, that does not exist anymore. Right. And, you know, and to develop that point further, you know, you, you have the Wall of Fame and the Hall of Fame in, in the province here and in the city. How are people going to uh, build those nominations in the future? A lot of it included press clippings, you know, right? Absolutely. Like when you were nominating, that, yeah. I know I've been through that process, yeah. and it's like, okay, here's, right. and then to find it, like you can go through some of the archives, but I look in some of the ones in St. John's, hard to find a copy that was in the Times Globe, yeah. the old evening Times Globe. Uh, yeah. So yeah, that, that's a great point to uh, to identify somebody uh, yeah. well, in somebody, 2030. Yeah, exactly. Somebody like a, a Max Grant, you know? Right. Yeah. Who's building a pretty good career? Was yeah. a you know a third team All American I think last year. Now at University of Alabama, incidentally, which is pretty cool. Yes. Um, you know, but there's a kid who's somebody is going to sit around and discuss his Hall of Fame credentials at some point, and you're going to think, well, there's not a whole lot here, you know. Because it's not being written down. Yeah, it's all statistical data, right? Yeah. You can go on and find like hockey DB or, or whatever it is. You can find that, which is great. But what are the stories behind? What yeah. did he or she do to really stand out as an athlete or a personality? And that's, yeah. Uh, yeah. That, that is missing. Yeah, absolutely. He played a couple of games with the Senior Royals this year. And when he hits the ball, it just different sounds sound. different. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Like he's one of those kids. You know, right. it's hit. Yeah. It just <laughs> sounds different. Yeah. And I'm up at Avenue Tennis Club playing and, you know, hacking yeah. around there. And some of these kids are in there. And that ball leaving the racket sounds different. It's like watching Nolan Ryan pitch. Like it yeah. hit the catching glove differently. So yeah. that's the same thing as Max, right? Like contact and just right And you know screens. what? I, I'm, ha- I'm lucky enough to know the kid. And just the way he carries himself, right. you know. Uh, you just... You get that sense that uh, he's he's bound for big things. Good. Certainly keep an eye on. Um, Bet you they could use him this weekend. They could definitely <laughs> use it. Well, this we we'll get into that if we've got time. Okay. We've got sort of yeah. what's what's coming up down here. Um, but yeah, playoffs coming up there. Uh, my 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 guess is the weather interferes with anything going on this weekend. But but we'll get to that. Um, so I know both of you guys a lot of time as writers, and that's what we've talked about. You would probably spend how long interviewing, you know, uh, for a story to condense it down into 800 words, 1,000 words? Would that be a typical story length? Well, I know at the Telegraph, we would be assigned our features, like back when Saturday was the huge feature story. So Monday nights, we divided them up, and we had to have at least 20 inches of coffee. Sounds funny, doesn't it? Say 20 <laughs> inches. Most people say 20 inches of coffee. What's that mean? But, um, you know, that, that's what you had to have. That was your standard bearer. I can't even remember what 20 inches coffee yeah. is in terms of, uh, of words, but we always had to have at least three features, and Peter McGuire and Frank Campbell and me, uh, for the Saturday edition, and soon, you know, same as you. Now, you wrote... Hansi was the king of the long read, and I love the long read. So I'm sure you didn't have a set thing. If the story was there to be told, you you know I, I and even as I was quote mentoring kids coming up, they'd ask how long you you know how long should it be, and I told them write what it's worth, you know, and that's that can be anywhere from 400 to a thousand words. I this column that I do weekly now, it's called Our Town, and it's not necessarily in the sports realm. They cut me off at 600 words, which is... Uh, Barely a lead. <laughs> Back in the old days, <laughs> yeah. you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, they start to frown at you once it gets to 500 words or so, which is probably 12 to 15 inches. 
And the biggest know. process too, Gibby, that's really changed is the editing because we did have copy editors. So it does, Hansi had said earlier about having his heart broken with the, with the demise of newspapers. And, and when I see, like if I see billboards or, or, or things like that, with, and not that I'm the greatest speller, but it just, it somehow it got through somebody, but I know getting those, that copy yeah. back with marked up with the red uh, pen and everything, right? And your just heart would sink, say, oh no, I got to you know, redo this. And so, so, so you don't mind when I send you the editor? No, 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 no. Yeah, Gibby's my editor. Like, I, I, trust me, I'm Mine used to Mine too, as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And I mean, I'll tell anybody that. And that's just, uh, you know, Jim Morrison, God rest his soul, up in, in Woodstock, and uh, Ralph Costello, and, and Howie Trainer and yeah. Ronnie Berry, and guys like that. Like, you you just, uh, Johnny Mulcahy, uh, you paid attention. You yeah. paid attention to the edits, and it, and it made you a better writer, because nothing was slipping through. And, and I miss those days of, of, of copy. It doesn't matter if it's print, radio. You know, there's, there should be an edit button, and uh, sometimes in today's world of... Uh, going a thousand miles an hour that gets missed oh yeah that's it you know and it's it, turned into uh twitter or x or whatever right. the the medium formerly known as twitter where you know if it's if it's five minutes old it's old news right you know yeah. which drives me crazy like i say i like to i like to find a story and i like to write a story and i like to tell a story and that's what i think this will prove to be, be fun. this form throw another log on the fire there gibby let's uh let's get settled <laughs> in here yeah yeah i think i think we are uh, pretty settled in i think we covered you know a lot of ground here already brad i know you still have the story writing bug you've done it for a couple seasons with the maritime women's association you've now got your own freeze website which we talked about last week and i see you keep populating that with stories um how does how does that sort of compare to what we're doing here and in, in the stories we're trying to tell what, what's the difference from a, a, a from a non-journalism guy from a techie it guy over here <laughs> the guy that's got the little machine here with the buttons right, on yeah, it pretty fancy press, too that, that we press but yeah. who has written a book yeah the weight by the way which <laughs> yeah, is yeah. tremendous we were talking about yeah. that on the way over i don't know it, it all comes it, like it, it sounds at the risk of being repetitive it comes down to stories like i, I did a story today for uh a couple of weeks from now on, on uh, Katie and Robbie Daly of the Freeze and of the Daly Clan and just the 7,000 degrees of Kevin Bacon yeah. and just how that, yeah. so many connections. But then these women are tr- just fantastic people and they're, 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 they've got a great story. Like Katie was the baby of the family and she watched her older siblings and uh, now she's got a chance to play with them. So I just, it's an opportunity to, to write a story. It's the only forum I have. It's not going to go in the Gleaner or the Telegraph, yeah. but it goes on the web and on, on the Freeze website and, and people are reading it and there's feedback and it's just an opportunity. But I'll again. ask you and I'll ask Billy too. Do you get the same satisfaction out of interviewing somebody in this forum as you do writing a good story and having it on the site? Uh, I, th- I think because if it brings, it's not about the, the speaker or the, or the writer because you're carrying that message, right? Yeah. Like you're somebody that has heard, say, of Katie Daly or Robbie Daly or Kelsey playing in Moncton or, uh, you know, anything, Kevin, Tyler, Holly, the whole crew yeah. uh, might say, I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't know that. And yeah. it's still fun to do the research too, and just uh, find out, you know, how successful. Like the, I'm just using that family as an example. Like the, the four of them all played university uh, basketball, and Kevin's coach forever and a day. And uh, yeah, just draw out the personalities if we can. And if that's the forum um, that I have, and several others that are writing for the websites and things like that, uh, like Hansi with you with St. Thomas University now, 
um, let's bring out the stories. Let's yeah. let's get somebody to go to a game and say, oh, that's the player I read about, and that's pretty cool. Do you know that she does this or he does that? And I think yeah. that's what we're all about. You know, you talk about the dailies, and I remember Kelsey. I can't remember the year. She would have been a midget basketball player. Um, midget, maybe that's that's the wrong term. In the, Everything's in the you now. Too, but <laughs> yeah, it's you something. Anyway, they were playing the national championship tournament here at the Aiken Center. She had to leave at halftime to go to Sherbrooke to compete in track and field. And I think she won a medal there. I can't even remember the year, but I, I just remember Kevin packing her up at halftime. And go. And, and, and there's, and you touch on the multi-sport athletes. I, I knew we were going to go down different roads here. And that's something that's drying up as well. Yeah. That, that, that individual that plays hockey, basketball, volleyball, track, uh, just, you know, a yeah. litany of different sports because it's so concentrated now if you're a if you're an under 12 hockey player you're playing in the spring and summer yeah that's and right there's Pick just one. no yeah and yeah. and again i don't want to romanticize the past but when the ice came out in uh, march uh you started playing summer at spring sports yep. and you so uh, listen most of us could play anywhere if somebody needed a right fielder tonight and a setter involved whatever yeah uh we could fill in and play and that's that's uh, probably one of the things I see disappearing the multi-sport athlete well, even, and that's know, a shame you go back to Wayne Gretzky the greatest hockey player yeah. ever and he would you know lacrosse baseball yeah, lacrosse and baseball in the off season yeah. and it was good for his mental right capacity absolutely too, just to know? get away from it yeah and I, exactly. I, I can't imagine skating 12 months a year as much as I love and I still go on skates as much as I love it and even way back when when I loved it uh, there had to be a break yeah so yeah. uh, that, that that's something to keep an eye on too. Just that the, the I don't want to call them one dimensional because if they are choosing it, they're they're going to be good athletes. But um, yeah, sometimes you miss out. There's not any diversity for sure. Right. Yeah. So I'll I'll come back to your question, Bill. But I don't think I can really answer it. I've never done the interview and the write up thing at all. You I mean, could. <clears throat> I probably could. Yeah. Um, not not my chosen field. But as I told you, we sat in King's Place, uh, you know, one day, and th this year with the uh, Maritime Women's Association was really my my first time. Other than one interview, I remember with Clint Hamilton back in the day when he was coaching UMB basketball, and I was in UMB like a pregame yep. thing, uh, was doing some play-by-play -play, uh, back then. Um, yeah, that one didn't go so well, but that's a story. That, that might be a story. <laughs> that'd, be, that'd, be, that'd be Clint's fault. Yeah, that might be, <laughs> might be a story. Uh, for, yeah. uh, for, I will. I'll stand beside you when you say that, but yeah. not, too, not too close. Yeah, no, no. But you know what? I remember when Clint was first getting going. He, uh, he might have been his first year as basketball coach here. And Dave Nutbrown was coaching Acadia at the time. And they were, they were two peas in a pod. They were stumping up and down the sidelines. And you know how basketball coaches are. They tend to be. Uh, anyway, uh, I forget exactly what was going on. They were both pretty volatile. And I wrote, the way I wrote it was... Uh, Clint Hamilton won the sport coat toss at halftime right. or something like that. And <laughs> Clint called me up on the Monday, trying to change that image. Right. <laughs> well, don't throw your sport coat. <laughs> well, he matured yeah. and he softened and, you know, uh, Clint and I got to be pretty good friends. But uh, at the time... He, he was a bit intense. That's yeah. what I remember from, yeah. from my interaction with him. But yeah, it was really my first time interviewing people at all let alone live. And, and you know what? It's not an easy thing. It's not an easy thing. And I knew once I got what I thought was a good quote, I stopped. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because I wanted to end those on something that I thought was 
pretty good. Yep. Even though there was more I could have done, and you want to keep them short anyway because it's halftime or post game, and people don't want to listen to to that go on forever. But it was in those that I think I really got sort of the the storytelling bug, and and you know appreciate how you fell in love with storytelling in sports and and Brad as well and thought about that a few times this summer there were there were stories that brought me to tears in in those interviews a couple times yeah. just unbelievable connections that you make through just a couple uh, a couple questions and um, well, that's it. You never know what you, you're going to get. You, you well, never I, know what you're going to get, and and some of the answers, like you can, Brad, you can uh, you can attest to some of the answers that yeah, that we got were just tremendous out of the league. Um, and talk about being able to identify with the players—that's something that league has in spades. I think because some of those stories get told. Sure. Yeah. And when the waterworks started with Gibby, I said, "What is going on?" And he said, "I don't know what's happening." Yeah. Like Seinfeld. What is yeah. this? Sort of thing? What, what is this stuff? Oh but, no. Uh, I mean, it's, uh, that's that's pretty cool. Never if you can get be the heart ashamed of, of that. No, absolutely. Because exactly. you are getting exactly. the heart of the matter of something, right? And that's yeah, that's what we're doing here with late scratches and and more. Yeah. And uh, I think this is, you know, the Huntsy's our first guest, and uh, just somebody who's had so much uh, history at his your fingertips um man well, you know stories, I, I mean, stories. what's the great thing about this job is that it uh you know you're the voice of the fans you you for the most part oh uh, yeah <laughs> yeah but i mean you get the uh you get the privilege of asking the questions that a fan would ask if they had the opportunity you know and like i say you never know what you're gonna get i um I've had people move to tears in an interview kind of thing and you just you stand back and let them have their moment and hope they get it together. Uh, or maybe they don't, you know? Yeah, that's okay too. But that's a you know, that's powerful as long as you communicate it. And you know what? I uh, being the writer, quote, even though both you guys are authors, <laughs> I still like a clever turn of phrase. I do. And I I feel satisfied when I get one that works, you know, I don't, I don't know if that touches a chord with either one of you guys, but, uh, but it certainly does. With me. Oh, I've, uh, I've seen some of your work recently and, yeah. uh, you do turn a phrase very well it's a skill, and it does hit home. And I, Brad started with that very thing with, uh, you know, with how you described the, the, the headline. Metal loss. Yeah. It's yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, it's fun. And it, you know what? It's, not to sound egotistical or anything like that, but it's a gift I have, I think. And it's the only thing I do at all well. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, that's all right. Yeah. And that's okay, too. Yeah, I mean, that, that was 40 years ago, right? Yeah. That, that coming yeah. up on 40 years, yeah, that, that lead. Right. And that and that's how impactful that was, that yeah. we're talking about it today. Uh, amazing stuff. Yeah. So uh, what I've learned here tonight is I'm sitting with the world's greatest handyman on one side. Yeah. <laughs> do you know, and this is a true story, that I was a potential finalist for Canada's Worst Handyman. They actually filmed me, and they were ready to fly my dad and I to Toronto, and my dad could make a radio out of a coconut, right? And I, I had nothing. I was in the garage working on my wrist shot all the time, and I had to build a fence, and it was the worst fence, like the worst, like a St. Bernard could have got through it. That's how many holes were in it. But yeah, so... And, there and, you go, that's gold. Yeah, and Mike... You know, I go home to my cousins and stuff, and they're all just always saying, you know, what are you building lately? What, what's going on? So, yeah. <laughs> Handyman, no. Can't do it. Oh, boy. So I, I've got one sort of two last questions, I guess, on the on the storytelling 
bit here. So each one of you has some of the favorite stories that you've told. Well, I'll let you start with that, Hunchy, because I'd have to think about it. Boy. Um, you know what? I really liked being involved in the whole Willie O'Ree project and feeling like I uh, we kind of made a difference. Made the Bruins list, uh, century list, by the way. Yeah, yeah good. Willie O'Ree and Don Sweeney, two New Brunswickers. Yeah, yeah. Um, I like. I really felt like that shows the impact you can have because, and my part was very, very small in it, but it was just, you know, uh, I think Bruce had written something on, uh, you know, the 60th anniversary of his um, debut or whatever. And I wrote a call on the next day and it was like, why isn't this guy in the Hall of Fame, you know? And you outline the, the climate and the racial climate at the time and, and all that sort of stuff. And David and Brenda Sansom read it and they said, what can we do to help? And, um, you know, it sort of mushroomed from there. Did we put ever. together, a, you know, a submission. Uh, we got people like Joel Ward involved. And, uh, you know, it was 76 pages later, we submitted. I, and it's funny because uh, we come out of the meeting and Andrew Waugh was our editor-in-chief at the time. Big Australian guy who, you know, carries himself with a strut kind of thing. He comes out and says, we got to get this guy into the Hall of Fame. There <laughs> so, you go. So we thought, okay, well, how do we develop this story past that initial story? And I called uh, the Hockey Hall of Fame, and Landon McDonald called me back. <laughs> I was just been out in, you know, just been out in Nova Scotia, and we had uh, Scotia Bank Hockey Day in Canada. Had way too much fun. <laughs> Love Huntsy's impersonations. Sounds about an awful lot like my Bill Donovan. Billy Donovan. <laughs> <laughs> only one of those. Yeah, but anyway, so the the follow up story was the process of a you know a submission from the public kind of thing, which they didn't realize. I mean, Lanny did, and and uh, the guy I made the initial contact at the Hall of Fame did, but nobody. Uh, Nobody among the general public knew that there was an avenue for public submissions. In fact, I, um, Steve Simmons wrote in the Toronto Sun a little while later, how is it that Willie O'Ree knew that he was going to get into the Hall of Fame and, and none of the others seemed to know? And I dashed off a note to Steve and I said, there's a public submission process. Oh, I didn't know that. No, he never said anything about that in print, but, right. oh, I didn't know that, because Steve Simmons right. knows everything. Knows everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I still read him every Sunday. Though. I do, too. I hate him, but I read him every Sunday. Uh, but anyway, yeah. So, and then, like I said, the O'Ree stuff sort of mushroomed from there. Um, we covered it. I was at the at the um, the restaurant, the cabin restaurant, when, it, when the call came through, and then I got to Toronto, and... They treated them like gold up there. And it's funny, we had a private reception up at the top of the hotel we were staying at. And uh, by invitation only, the door opens up and Willie O'Ree, or uh, sorry, Lanny McDonald and Phil Pritchard pushed the Stanley Cup in. And so the Stanley Cup was the star for about 10 minutes and then they had to wheel it out and go somewhere else with it. But, uh, but yeah, it was one of the more memorable nights of my career. And if I can hog it a little bit more, um, the stories that they, the columns that I did around the police shooting, uh, you know, beyond the realm of sports, um, they gave me the responsibility to sort of take the temperature of the city and grieve with the city. And so I, it's a you know, late. yeah, I went, to, yeah, awesome 
responsibility. Um, but, uh, you know, it was really uh, impactful, you know. And, uh, I, you know, I sat in the mayor's office and watched him tear up and I went to city council and, you know, signed the condolence books and talked to people there. And, and I'll tell you, I, I was covering the basketball championships at the time when that happened. Yeah. And I went down and talked to, I think you were chair of it. Right. Yeah. Michael Levine and I. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Anyway, uh, so I went down to do some interviews after an Ontario game. And they had a couple of kids whose dads were police officers. And some of the parents were there and they said, you know, sorry for what's going on in your city or anything. And I was almost in tears. I told them, you know, uh, this is not our city. This is not representative of our city. It just doesn't happen here. They all gave me a hug and said, you know, we know. And da, 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 da. But anyway, like it, that's five years ago. Right. And it yeah. sticks with me now. You know. Anyway, over to you. <laughs> uh, two stories stick out. Uh, my wife Shelly and I were supposed to be at John Mellencamp on September 12, 2011. Wow. And uh, I decided to work the 11th instead and leave in the afternoon and stay overnight in Portland before we made our way to Boston, see Mellencamp, and everybody knows what happened uh, September 11th. But uh, being sent out, uh, I remember being in the newsroom clearly on the televisions and seeing what was unfolding in New York City and, and, and elsewhere. And then uh, uh, one of my tasks uh, was assigned to find tourists uh, in St. John. So went to Reversing Falls uh, restaurant and uh, some other places and, and, and found some Americans and, and obviously Canadians as well. And that was... A pretty tough that was an emotional yep. day for everybody so 20, that was 22 years ago tonight is yeah like yeah. insane and just uh yeah so some of the you talk about heart-wrenching stuff uh, especially I, I was able to interview a couple of new yorkers and you know that's what they said it's our city and it's falling down right so and they had no idea what to expect um so yeah that certainly that certainly sticks out from a sports thing, and it wasn't even a sports i guess it was a sports story but i did a story called the devil and craig carr and Craig Carr was a high school football star uh, in St. John and basketball player. Just made a crazy decision. He went to St. Malachy's and uh, one day was going to a basketball tournament somewhere away and needed sneakers and robbed a convenience store uptown St. John. And it was just so out of character. And and uh, actually the powers that be at the Telegraph at the time sent me to Spring Hill Penitentiary. And you talk about wow. a eye-opening Peter Walsh our photographer and, and a good friend we were there and it was pretty intimidating to be in that prison like when the gates close and the clearance and everything wow. and wrote an in-depth story on, on Craig and the mistake he made and Craig obviously um, you know, turned things around ended up in the Canadian Football League and uh, turned his life around but just uh, uh, a lapse a te yep. terrible lapse just in judgment just a stupid snap decision yeah, absolutely and yep. to get to like to meet his parents and, and to talk to the to the shopkeeper and uh, just everybody involved. It's a pretty emotional story, and I've, I've never forgotten that. Did you save that clip? Do you still have that clip? You know, it, do you remember the New Brunswick Reader? Yep. Uh, so it would be, if, if the reader's in archives, that's where it would be. But no, I never did. I, I never saved any of my writings at all. Nothing. Yeah. You know what? Um, I saved some snapshots, just yeah. some personal right. stories. Like, I used to do this column, just sort of family-oriented stuff. That yeah. was lots of fun to do. Right. And I saved those just to pass on to my kids someday. I guess I just always thought it would be there or whatever, yeah. or, or the next yeah. story would come along, right? So... Uh, but yeah, so that's a, that's a, that's a career. Uh, I love the written word and, uh, 
like I don't mind yakking either. So uh, that's kind of where we're coming You're in here. Both. Podcast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so last question in the, the segment here on, on telling stories uh, for Bill. Bill, any advice, I guess more for me than Brad, because Brad's the, Brad's the seasoned journalist here. As we start off on this, we're in episode two of this Late Scratches podcast. It's, it's, it's looking like it's going to be adventure. Any, any advice that's for us? You know what? Uh, I always tell kids, ask the next question. Be curious. And, you know, it, whether it sounds like a dumb question or not, if it leads you to information that you didn't have, it's not a dumb question. And don't be afraid. Don't be intimidated. And ask the next question. Those would be my two big tips for you. Wonderful. Yeah. Um, so I, I am definitely going to... I've got four pages of notes here. We're, we're, we're about 47 minutes wow, in, a little bit more than that. Fun. Um, and we're only on page one. Yeah, so I'm definitely going wow. yeah, to cut out uh, some, of the, some of the content that I'd prepared for this because this has been much more fun from that. But let, let's, uh, if we can, we'll take one short break and we'll move on to a little topic change here. Do you have questions about what goes into your blue or gray recycle box? Contact the Capital Region Service Commission's Solid Waste Division Recycle Hotline at 453-9938 or email recycle at capitalrsc.ca. That's recycle at C-A-P-I-T-A-L-R-S-C dot C-A. So welcome back to Late Scratches. A um, little bit of news from the week, some quick hitters here. Brad, another M, uh, Maritime Women's Basketball Association player, signed pro contract. That makes three. Three. Tiffany Reynolds from the Halifax uh, Thunder signed in Nicaragua. Try finding information on the Nicaragua uh, Women's Professional Basketball League. Yeah. So tell me what the process is. Are these players uh, sending resumes off? Are there scouts? Is there a network that these, you know... I know a lot of the connections come through Canada. So what will happen is uh, somebody's connected in Ontario uh, with a European coach or scout or agent. Hey, do you, do you have any talent there we're looking for? Okay. Uh, insert the position and, and stuff like that. So that's how it usually goes, uh, word of mouth type thing. But now that all our games on the, in the MWBA are live stream, coaches like Sophia Widmeyer said, coach, watch my games. Yep. So he, okay. there are no surprises. So that's yeah. usually how it happens. Wow. To Nicaragua. That's yeah, amazing. Nicaragua. Yeah. Uh, Brad, you did the the Red Wings uh, exhibition game this yeah. week? Uh, Saturday night, lost 3-1 to Miramichi. Uh, a lot of the regulars not in the lineup and some playing their first game. It was only another Red Wings second game, I think. Uh, they had a rookie game. Oh, no, sorry. And then they played Friday and lost 6-3 on Miramichi. Um, yeah, the, it starts for real Saturday night. They're on the road up in Edmondson. Always a tough place in that beautiful arena. Um, it's going to be interesting to see. Huntsy alluded to it earlier. I think they have to win this, not necessarily win a championship, but they, they need to make a playoff run, and, and they've got some parts. Uh, and this is the biggest time of year, just uh, who's who's out there, major junior cuts and things like that. So it'll be interesting to see what the lineup looks like. Uh, they got a good nucleus? A lot of kids oh, yeah, they have, they have uh, the big line. Uh, Cam Thompson's back, uh, certainly. And Sam McFarlane, I thought he was very good the other night. He's a big, rangy winger, and I uh, came into his own late last season, and I thought he played very well the other night. So uh, probably blue line has to be bulked up a little bit. Uh, fun to watch Noah standing. All of a sudden, he's in his third year now. Wow. He's just a huge yeah. kid, 6'4", 200, just like his dad, who was a star wide receiver at, at Acadia. But... Uh, there's 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 a nucleus there, so hopefully the fans come out and see them on their home opener. Yeah, I, I said it last week, and I'll say it again because I saw an ad today. 
26 games for 200 bucks yeah. is, is the early bird price in the season pass. And you know what? It's entertaining. Hockey. It is. And it's done in 205. I yeah. was out of the rink the other night at 10 after 9. Yeah, yeah. strikes me as just outstanding value yeah, for 26, 26 games. That's well under 10 bucks a game. Uh, I know we said last week we weren't going to talk about darts at the Legion. I do want to talk about <laughs> poker at the Legion tonight, just just for a, mo- for a moment. And this is one I picked up, uh, I think, today or yesterday uh, from Don McPherson, Bill, in the Fredericton Independent. I think I saw this. Yeah, there's a, there's a darts tournament, not, pardon me, not a darts tournament, a poker event coming up uh, mid-October at the Legion. You're going to have to Google it. reason why we want to mention here, though, is because benefits of that go to the Harrison Gilks uh, Foundation. Um, and the reason that's important for what we do and what we're promoting um, is the proceeds there go to help uh, youth participate in sports. Amazing. And I yeah. uh, have worked with his mom, Sonia, just a dynamic individual, that's yeah. for sure. And the uh, courage just a great she cause. showed oh. in, the, in that wow. time, in those days before and after, yeah. amazes me still. I remember her CBC interview. Strong and family. And boy, I mean, I could not imagine. You know, Gene Armstrong on CBC asked the right questions at the right time. And you know what? In that situation, you asked the wrong question at the wrong time. And Sonia dissolves. Right. She didn't. And it was so courageous of her. And I'm glad to see that uh, that Harrison's uh, memory is being carried forward. Yeah, and uh, absolutely, as I say, Google's your friend on that one. I don't have the details or look up uh, Don's article in The Independent. Probably has more of that as well. Um, last week for me, and I'm sorry, folks, I know a couple people asked me to tell this this week. We're not going to get to the Royals Field rant. We're, we're cutting <laughs> oh, that out. The RFR. I, that. Yeah, I, know, I know a lot of people wanted that one. We're, we're going to cut that one because I do want to tell the golf story. Uh, but uh, we'll just touch on the Royals quickly. Um, I was there last Thursday for their last regular season home game. Um, Bill, it's one you're probably glad you didn't get to cover. Ended up 10-0 Chatham, but it was a game that meant nothing in the standings. That's why I and, didn't go. Yeah, and my uh, my lineup sheet as as the PA announcer, I was actually doing PA scoreboard and music that night, and and I fell off the music train in the in the 1990s at least. <laughs> um, so we know what we listen to all night long, no matter what anybody requested. Um, business Frederick to North, who sponsors the pitching change, absolutely got their money's worth on that night. Okay. Uh, my lineup cheat looked like a chicken walked through an ink pad and then across the pages on my desk. It was it was just an absolute mess. At one point in time, it got to the point where... So did the Royals go with an opener? And uh, then... Well, they I, they don't think they went with an opener. There was a left-handed shortstop in the game at the senior level. That's all I'll say. Okay. Okay. Um, so, so and we did, got there. Did Derek play at any point? Derek didn't play in that one. He did get a did get an inning in and an at bat this season, though, okay. in a, in a previous game. And uh, I'll say Derek Wilson, uh, he was a it was a lineout. He still stung the ball pretty okay. good. Um, the guy's in good shape. Uh, he can hit a little bit. Uh, while we're on that, they are first round playoff opponents. That's supposed to start this week. Um, we'll talk more about that. I'm sure Sunday's um, game two here. Yeah, I yeah Sunday's game two it. here starts in in Miramichi. You're scheduled to. It's not going to happen because just take one look at the weather forecast. There's already stuff being canceled for the weekend here in New Brunswick with the pending. Going to uh, the cottage, give yeah, you. Come yeah, on, you got to speak. Lee. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I would say if you're going to the cottage, take take some <laughs> take, extra take straps with you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> take t- that leaf blower. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> plug, it, plug it in there. Uh, quick plug for Colby Lyle, MVP of the league. Colby Lyle, MVP of the league. Uh, you know, absolutely had that in my notes. He, he's in tough. Dylan Lester, pitcher of the year, top hitter of the year, the import, the, everything you can ask of an import uh, for Chatham. Royals are in tough there. Uh, tomorrow night, this is the 
twelfth uh, as we uh, are recording this. The thirteenth is the four-five game to determine who plays Charlottetown. Uh, so they'll sort that out, and then uh, they'll figure out the schedule for that one. But we knew know that first schedule. Uh, what I do want to get on to is uh, the Dwight Dickinson uh, golf tournament. My experience there this this week, a little little story to tell. We told the story last week about Kurt Peacock and the I magic. Say you're on the tour now. Yeah, uh, and the magic <laughs> shot, <laughs> uh, you know, winning the winning the car. Um, you know, uh, kudos to the folks who put the tournament together. 27 teams, their highest number number ever uh, for that. Many of the great sponsors. Uh, absolutely wonderful for me to get around, see all the the, the players. Uh, the coaches reconnect with them because that's you know that's my gig in the winter time is uh, uh, St. Thomas uh, Court Sports volleyball, basketball, men's, women's. Uh, I spent a lot of lot of time there in the old gym. Not the most comfortable chair, but it's probably the best chair in the house. Um, at least I say that. So great to meet those. They had players stationed at most of the holes, so you got to meet uh, you know meet the players. Gotta get you the best seat in the house. It wasn't Leon's that did the best seat uh, yeah, in the house. Years ago, yeah, absolutely. It uh, was, yeah. Um, so uh, I joined what we quickly dubbed Team Honesty, uh, meaning we had no chance straight out of the gate of being in it, you know, to, to win. Uh, to win. Uh, I was Who with, else was on Team Honesty? Yeah, I was with Ray Compass, who's the assistant coach, uh, and uh, joining us were a couple name, a couple gentlemen out of uh, Ormocto with the same name, Will Johnson Jr., Will Johnson Sr. Okay. Right. Um, it would be fair to say that none of us were regular golfers. Uh, I was warned by a couple of the players from the women's team right off, and they found out I was playing with Ray to keep my head up because... Well, Apparently parent. last year, he was inches away from uh, you know, um, yeah, hitting Celine Sturkel with. I'll say it was an errant shot, but it, 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 the more I heard the story as they went on, the closer the closer the shot got. So I'm not sure how how really close it was, but uh, no, Ray turned out to be a, be a great golfer. We flirted with par for. Most of our rounds, until we managed a triple bogey on a par three, which is really hard to do when you're playing best ball. Yes. Well, we ended up in the sand. I think we took 12 shots to get one out of the sand and then uh, three putted. And when you're picking a shot in the sand in best ball... You know that there's been some really yeah, bad shots yeah, to go. Got to start that. using the hand iron. Yeah, so, 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 so it wasn't good. Uh, wasn't good from from that standpoint. We had a lot of fun. Uh, we didn't disappoint the odds makers in that. Um, <laughs> but you know, as it is in these golf tournaments, there's the longest drive. There's the closest to the pin. <clears throat> in this one, they had a couple of other contests, and that's where I want to, you know, focus this story on. So. Uh, one of the contests is they put a blow up ball in one of the ponds and you sign your name on a ball and you have to chip into it and everybody who chips in uh, gets in a draw for uh, a keg. So there was that. Uh, I don't even think my chip made it to the water from, from where we chipped from and it was only about four feet from the water. So that's how bad of a, a chipper I am. Uh, Will Johnson Sr. did make it in. He got in the draw. Didn't win. The other thing that they had in, in addition to that um, was a closest to the keg. So on hole number 10, <laughs> which I like, I like uh, this they yeah, this take a, a keg and they put it out in the fairway. And, and I forget the yardage, but I'm going to say it's 125 yards um, out there. Whoever's closest at the end of the day to the keg gets the keg, similar to closest to the pin. But it's really a strategy decision for your team because the keg is close. You've got a 200 plus yard shot into the green, if you go for the keg and you take the keg shot, that's where you have to play from. Ah. So you can't be closest to the keg and then have one person no. with a long drive out there. So we started on hole number 13. So by the time we get to 10, we've only got a couple holes left in our round. So we get to the tee and, and as I said in the podcast last week, not a great golfer. So I usually shoot first 
because I'm usually, you know, safe or I'm terrible. Right. So the people behind me know, you know, where to follow. Where to follow. But, you know, I'm, I was doing okay, feeling pretty confident when I got to the tee and, you know, looked up and saw the keg and in the fairway, 125 yards just away and saw where the pin, pin was. And it was, you know, 10, 12 feet away. And I thought, geez, that looks really doable. Like, I think I can get a ball inside of that. No problem at all. So I go into my bag and I pull up my iron and I hit while everyone else is there. And ball goes up and it's just this majestic arch. <laughs> it's absolutely gorgeous. Comes down. Doesn't it ting off the keg? Okay. Tings off the keg and just dribbles a little ways away. And uh, the players on the hole are um, Ethan Tamwine um, and Alyssa Jeffrey. Um, Kenny Jean-Louis is there as well. And Ethan right away says, I think you just won the keg. And I'm like, yeah, hey, I just won the keg. This is, <laughs> this is great. So the other guys hit and, um, you know, uh, we go down and sure enough, I'm closest to the keg. So I think, you know, got a pretty good, pretty good shot at winning this, winning this keg. Um, sure enough, no one else gets closer to the keg. I, I end up winning the keg. Wow. There you go. Yeah. And, and all that story is true, <laughs> except for the part where I pick the nine iron and intentionally aim for the cake. <laughs> so you're going for the hole. Um, in no uh, no word of a lie, I was hitting driver. <laughs> team honesty. Yeah, yeah. Team honesty. Yeah, I was yeah. hitting driver. Yeah. I didn't even see the keg that was out there in the fairway because by that time we were, we were 15 or 16 holes into a round and we were getting a little tired. I thought I hit the yardage marker on the fairway. Oh, yeah. I didn't even it. know the keg was Doink. there. So when Ethan said, I think he just won the keg, I didn't have the first clue what he was talking about. So Gibby wins it, texts me and says, I'm not much of a beer drinker. I don't know what to do with it. And I said, I do. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so that's the other irony of this story. Keg is 20 liters, according to the thing that I've got. Wow. From Trailway Brewery. What an awesome prize. A little Absolutely. certificate to pick that up. Um, I don't think I, my entire life I would have consumed 20, 20 beer, <laughs> let alone 20 <laughs> liters of beer. Party at Gibby's. Party at yeah, Gibby's yeah. at the like, hometown office. Seriously. So a, a little bit of, of irony in that. Um, and you were in the foursome with Kurt Peacock, weren't you? I was in the foursome with Kurt Peacock. Yeah. So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty good child. luck. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, to just top this story off about uh, me hitting driver 125 <laughs> yards... <laughs> Got all of it. Eh? But it was. It was majestic. It popped way up there. It was way up in the air and back down. Yeah. Now, the last couple of holes, I probably hit my best drives of the day. So winning, obviously, straightened me, straightened me right around yeah. um, on that. It is throughout the round. If I knew some of the players or thought some of the players, because this is some, some of the stuff that's hard to remember when you're play-by-play guy, were left-handed because I hit lefty, I would offer them, hey, do you want to take a shot with my club? Yeah. So I did this three or four times in the round and two or three took me up on it. Uh, Alyssa Jeffrey at this hole being one of them. Alyssa Jeffrey with my own club out drove me by a pretty good margin. Um, as did Regan Kerr, a rookie with the Tommies right. on another hole. Yeah. I did beat one of the men's Tommies okay. on one one hole, Ted Braden, who's the returning big man. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the only reason I beat Ted is he shanked his pretty bad and went off a tree and came backwards, but the tree that he hit was well beyond the shot that I took. <laughs> yeah, he grabbed the rebound, I guarantee. Uh, yeah, he, yeah, he yeah. had the rebound and, yeah. and, and was putting it away. So yeah. And Ted, he said, I'm not a golfer, but I'll give this a try. You know, they're, they're sitting out on these holes, and they're with the people on the tee for a couple right. minutes, and you know, then they're waiting. So uh, trying to entertain them a little bit as well and, uh, and whatnot. Uh, so, yeah, as you say, I'll make some friends, uh, you know, with, uh, with the keg uh, for sure. Uh, and my in my uh, n- my strong nine iron, 
I'll say that. that. I'll be my nine iron forever that I'm using off the <laughs> yeah, That'll be the story. You're going to get a label right on there it. It says, says nine exactly. iron. Yeah. Um, and of course, uh, John Hickey did announce uh, when I picked up my prize that I was using driver. Uh, of course he did. Um, of course yeah. he did. And then I tried to tell him, no, right. it was only my nine iron. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> the story's out there. It's straight now. It was an absolutely great tournament. Uh, a whole lot of fun. Um, great to see some of the UNB basketball folks out. Uh, a lot of the sponsors from the Tommies uh, out there as well. Um, you know, just it, it, one of those fun events. And, you know, I hadn't golfed until the Archie in over 10 years and that makes twice and there's a reason why i didn't golf but it, it, this time i didn't lose quite as many balls as i did in st andrews there's a couple that are planted there that i hope grow a couple dozens next year when i i go back looking again but uh, like you're getting clubs for christmas man. Uh, yeah, that's right. oh no i got got uh, got clubs so we're good there well, speaking um, of stew basketball like uh, my wife sold a desk today so i dropped it off before i went to get huntsy and uh, the guy said, uh, I'll be right out, but I smell really bad. I just finished basketball practice. I said, well, I'm not going to smell you. I'm just dropping off the desk. <laughs> but it was Owen Amos of the Tommy. So okay. I said, how's Hickey treat you? You know Coach Hickey? Oh, yeah, I know Coach Hickey. Yeah. Um, so we've done a little bit of these. What I've got left to, to talk about, and we are over our timeline here now that we sort of said we'd try to stick to. Um, what's on tap in local sports this week? We talked about the senior league playoffs. Um, coming up, it's not this week, but next week, uh, UNB men's basketball versus UPI. That's the 24th. Uh, it's at the Curry Center. Um, Brad, I think you've got coming up uh, a week from tonight, next Tuesday, Stu Women's Hockey Exhibition. Mount Allison at the Grand Harvey. Yeah, 7 o'clock. Uh, I want to wish uh, an old friend and an old teammate, uh, uh, son Adam McCormick, of course, from UNB, who's invited to uh, Washington. Oh. Uh, Capitals rookie camp along with uh, uh, Connor Hall who played at UNB and uh, Adam uh, his dad Andrew McCormick was one of the best captains I ever played for in senior hockey so yeah. it's, it's pretty cool to see Corky's son uh, doing very well at UNB I think this is the second pro camp that he's visiting he was maybe with San Jose and now he's uh, trying his luck with Washington before returning to uh, to UNB this fall okay good good stuff yeah picked up a few other little tidbits here even since i typed up my notes as you can see with my uh, uh my scratching here uh unb women's basketball participating in run for the cure this weekend so there if you're up for sponsoring that and we all know what uh what terry fox did and the legacy that he he leaves uh you know look them up they would love to have some sponsorships uh we talked about the red wings season opener in edmonton uh, this week, uh, UNB soccer is home this weekend, Saturday and Sunday. I don't know if you can replicate what happened against Did Mun, you? that was unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, it was unbelievable. Um, uh, and, unbelievable. And, and you know, Ray, um, Ray Harris, uh, Ray does that. Yeah, yeah. online, uh, that was uh, that was absolutely unbelievable. Yeah. Great call there from Ray. And underwhelmed. <laughs> and underwhelmed. If you don't know time. what we're talking about. Just Google <laughs> yeah. UNB men's soccer. Yeah, Google UNB men's soccer. So women and men uh, Saturday and Sunday, Acadia Saturday, UPI Sunday. One o'clock, and I think three fifteen ish, something like that. Uh, uh, however, those games That's run. Some right, women's yeah. rugby yeah. in town too. UNB lost for the first time, and I don't know how long. Matt Allison uh, beat them. Yeah, forty-one, 41 games, games or something games, like yeah. that. So Not they're since at twenty sixteen. They're at home to Holland College in ACAA play, and uh, UKC I believe is at St. Thomas. UKC is at St. Thomas. Two o'clock games in Fredericton. If I'm not yeah, the, I, I had the Stu one. I didn't have the yeah. UNB one on. On my Let's radar. back to the old Jim Bourne, Leroy Washburn. Scheduler hockey night. head to head. Lots going on in the city. As we talked about last week, uh, Gibby, this is the best time of year. Uh, winter's coming, yes, but uh, so many sports going on that it's just a, an absolute uh, 
buffet. And, you know, we spend a lot of time talking about telling, telling sports stories. That's what we want to do. Um, I've still got the Royal Field rant that we'll get in at some <laughs> okay. point. Not, I want to hear that. Yeah, not, not this one. Yeah. Uh, but it's we'll, a tease. We'll, it's a tease. Yeah, we'll right? we'll get to that. Um, I, I promise I will. we will get to that at some point. You're already Brad lining up some guests. Uh, yeah, we're expected for, to have uh, Katie Butts next week, uh, and she'll preview the Helen Campbell coming up for UMB Women's Basketball. And uh, she's a little under, weather, under the weather this week, but, uh, you know, she can talk, and she's had some great uh, job experience. She's from Ontario, but has been living in, in New Brunswick, works with Torres in New Brunswick in the summer so we'll uh, we'll talk a lot That'll of basketball and a lot of tourism that will be be a lot yeah. of fun on, on that one for sure so we'll get back to a little bit more basketball this week but uh, absolutely a whole lot of fun tonight you, I could listen to you guys tell sports <laughs> stories uh, for a long time so get that keg out Gibby yeah so uh, <laughs> uh, thanks for joining us Bill uh, anytime um, yeah, I, I, really, hope, I hope you I, had fun here I absolutely enjoyed it I'm keep me uh, on speed dial I'll come back anytime good stuff appreciate it